0: Hello and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Mark Underwood. He is the president of Quincy Bioscience, and we're going to talk about the brain, brain studies, and you know when you talk about a topic like this, especially with health professionals, we all have our own questions and concerns about it and fascination as well. So first of all, let me just start, uh, Mark, with a question. What got you so involved and interested in this particular field, and what is it that fascinates you about it?
1: Well, I think the brain is the most fascinating part of the universe. I became interested in studying neurochemistry in college, which is now, you know, over 20 years ago. Um, my family had a history of different types of uh, memory issues, and so I became very interested in trying to figure out what are the things that change in the brain uh, as it relates to cognitive impairment uh, from memory loss to uh, focus issues to all, all kinds of things because I think the brain's the most important part of our life and we need to learn different strategies on how to keep it protected and, and well-maintained.
0: One of the things we see in our own practices and even in our own lives is as people get older, maybe they're 40, 50, 60, they feel as, as if they lose some of that memory. They call it senior moments, and I'm not talking about the progression to dementia, but just the simple fact that mm-hmm. they don't remember things. What do we believe leads to this? Is it damage to the brain, loss of cells? What's going on?
1: Well, the aging process itself is is complicated, but there are a couple common things to all of us as we grow older. One of the main things is that there's a type of protein that we normally make in the brain to keep our brains protected. It's called a calcium-binding protein. And in our 20s, early 20s, we we make plenty of it, and our brains are working top-notch. The Mechanics are working just fine. But in the aging process, and this particularly starts around age 40, we start to lose the ability to make that type of protein in our brain in in a sufficient quantity to keep the brain healthy. So as we lose the proteins, we start to see age-related cognitive decline. The brain does actually shrink a little bit. But even more importantly, with the loss of this protein, there's a lot of the different connections that are that are normally there in a healthy brain that aren't able to be maintained. And this is probably the most significant aspect of brain aging that we've uncovered. Um, there certainly can be other uh, contributing factors, but but it's, it's the most common thing that people struggle with, uh, especially that are already healthy otherwise.
0: And when we as physicians try to help patients, what are some of the things we can do to try to, you know, maybe help either slow down this process or do things to try and help them along?
1: Well, the the key that we've come to understand is we've worked with a, a supplement that helps to replace that protein. It's actually uh, a discovery we made in jellyfish. Uh, jellyfish happen to contain uh, a certain amount of these types of proteins. Uh, this is a very common uh, problem in all species. Anything with a brain loses these proteins. So. We've been doing a lot of research with with a protein that was originally discovered in jellyfish. And then uh, clinical trials have shown that as we replace the protein, we're able to help uh, improve cognition. And we've done that in our our double-blinded and placebo-controlled trials. So that's something where obviously the, the, the best thing to do is if you know what your brain is missing or losing, is to simply try to replace it. And although this protein was originally discovered in jellyfish, it has very similar qualities to our natural endogenous proteins that we do lose in the aging process.
0: Now your background is as a neuroscience researcher and you you were actually co-founder and, and president of Quincy out in Madison, Wisconsin. And you deal with all sorts of areas with the brain, but you definitely seem to be focused on the calcium-binding protein and and that role. I would think that's probably the key thing that you deal with, right?
1: Uh, indeed, uh, this is something that uh, can cause havoc in any part of the brain. So. There's a lot of evidence. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that researchers had already worked on, that showed the need for this the system to keep everything in balance, uh, and we provided the innovation of of a unique source of the protein. So this is something that, in terms of uh, research, goes back well into the 1980s. The first people that, that published in this field, uh, the goal is to keep calcium regulated in in the brain, which which may sound funny. Everyone thinks the calcium's just in your bones, but inside the brain, it's the messenger. It's the electricity that allows all of our connections to be made, and every single one of those connections basically is another memory. So if we're not making the connections, we're not making or keeping the memory, and that's what causes the, the frustration every time you walk into a room and forget what you're doing.
0: When we talk about the brain, I hear people say, well, we only use you know 4% of the brain, 12% of the brain. I've always heard that it's underused, and if we ever maximize use of the brain, we'll be so much more efficient. How much truth is there to that? Uh, none.
1: <laughs> um, we use 100% of our brain. Um, think think about this. If you didn't use all of your brain, why would Alzheimer's be scary? The brain is absolutely necessary to keep 100% active and maintain. So it's a wives' scale. That's basically something that's been passed around for for many years. Now, the phrase, of someone who acts like they don't use 100% of the brain, <laughs> well, that's certainly appropriate. I, I know people like that.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting when you talk about it, though, but it does show that... The general lack of understanding of the brain, even when we're talking about psychiatric and psychological issues, it's still, in my today, day-to-day dealing with patients, they don't often look at a, a mental illness as something that's like the heart or another part of the body. They, they feel stigma that surrounds it.
1: That is Absolutely right. I can tell you that 20 years ago in college, I was taught that the brain was an island, that it was untouchable. Uh, you, you couldn't do anything to make it work better. You couldn't do anything to make it work worse. Uh, it was like it was on an island. But that's not true. Uh, the brain's very much affected by the things that we put into our bodies, the, the exposures we have, the food that we eat, uh, uh, the things that we drink. It's most of it. It does have a direct effect on brain chemistry, and I think that's something that we've, we've learned now in the past ten years. That's really uh, opened up people and, and researchers' understanding of what the brain can do, and how significant our lifestyle choices are in affecting how well the brain works.
0: How do you feel as far as research and where it's going around the country? It seems to me largely, in fact, because of dementia and related illnesses, there is a lot more work being done uh, surrounding the brain and our understanding of it, clearly in the last 10 to 15 years.
1: There is. The key, I think, is understanding the significance of what you do when you're 40 to 50 years old that, that greatly determines your mental state when you're going to be 70 to 80 years old. And uh, that's very difficult for people to be that uh, forward-looking with their health, much less their brain health. But the types of things that people uncover as mild memory loss in their, I don't know, say 40 years old, those things are often the tip of the iceberg of some processes that are already going on uh, inside the brain that are going to reveal themselves later in life. M- memory issues never self-resolve. They never self-correct. They they do actually w- will only get worse. In terms of how fast memory declines in the aging process, that's certainly different from one person to the next. But you need to address the memory issues you have when you're 40, 45, or 50 because I guarantee that will set the course for how you deal or what your, what's your capacity is when you're 60, 70, or 80.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on Reach MD, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and today I'm speaking with Mark Underwood. Fascinating conversation about the brain. And when we talk again about interacting and trying to find things out, if you're in your 40s and 50s, is it okay to say, gee, I you know I don't remember names like I used to or as quick, or right? I'm looking for certain words as opposed to, let's say, Where did I leave the keys? I I, I didn't even know I had keys. You know, that kind of a thing. Is this this a slippery slope progression or can people just have normal kind of gaps that occur?
1: Well, you will have those gaps. I think the key is when you reflect upon how well your brain worked five or 10 years ago, uh, if you see a decline. Because not everyone, even at age 20, not everyone has perfect memory. But if you're starting to see a decline or an increased frustration with losing your car keys or forgetting basic facts that you should retain, that's when you should really address some different things with your health to try to help protect and preserve the brain. So there's lifestyle changes, uh, which could, which include diet and exercise, which are actually very beneficial for the brain. Uh, it can include brain training exercises, things that might be online. It can be you know, doing a myriad of things to stay on top of your game uh, as long as you can.
0: So what you're saying is, don't, I guess, live in uh, denial and don't tell if your patients come in and say things, don't let them live in denial, more or less try to approach it with them and and try to do things. It's funny you talk about that. One of the things I do with a lot of my medical reporting is there'll be studies coming up about Alzheimer's or whatever, and and they say, we don't necessarily know there's a definite link between exercising and, and helping your brain, or we don't know there's a definite link between fruits and vegetables or certain supplements and helping the brain. But the way you have to look at it is, well, you may not get that 100% proof, but we do know that many of these things are good for our heart, other parts of our body as well, so why not join in and figure it could help the brain and, and be positive Well, in absolutely. Uh,
1: and, and, then, and then I can tell you that there's a lot of evidence that says, like you mentioned, um, managing your diet and exercising is exactly tied to age-related memory decline. Now, just because it's not tied to a disease Trust me, you do not want to wait till you have Alzheimer's to try to do something about it. Um, Alzheimer's is a debilitating disease in which brain cells are destroyed. And by the time you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you've lost a good amount of the brain cells that you once had. You're not going to get them back. There's not a pill that you're going to swallow that is going to ever fix or replace what you lost. What you need to do is protect them as soon as you can. You need to go in there and make the steps so they don't die in the first place, which is why intervention, at, like I keep talking about age 40, is so critical. I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. You know, um, sugar, excessive sugar in the diet is is terribly inflammatory to the brain. And over the course of time, there is, there's a huge comorbidity between Alzheimer's disease and diabetes because uh, the lack of, of sugar's uh, control in the body causes great amounts of inflammation, which ultimately causes memory loss. Well, we know that. That's very definitive, the the crossover and the comorbidity. The thing is you can't wait till you're 75 years old, diagnosed with diabetes and Alzheimer's, and suddenly change your diet and affect everything to be corrected. What you need to do is you need to take charge of that when you're 40 and be disciplined in how much sugar you intake so that you develop neither of those circumstances. It's completely preventable. It's very hard to be that forward-looking. I understand that that's talked about a lot of discipline, but... There is plenty of evidence that, that, that demonstrates that the reduction of, of sugar in the diet reduces inflammation in the brain and will actually improve memory. So that's something that everyone who's listening today can, can go home and just simply do. They don't have to wait for, for some miracle invention. That's something they can do about their health today.
0: And I think that's a very important point. I know in some of the literature that I've read of yours, you know, we, we talk about brain and memory, but also the other thing is, the inability to focus, pay attention, stay on task, those things are also very important. What about the role of stress and its impact on the brain?
1: Well, certain stress, uh, you you know, we're going to have stress in life. So what's hard to prescribe is a a, a lifelong vacation of no stress. Um, That would fix it. However, that's not very practical. So you need to learn how to deal with stress you have in life. Um, We recommend taking you know, basically moments during the day where you can relax and get away from stress, sort of called mini vacations. You're not really going anywhere, but your mind is going somewhere else to, to rest and relax. And if you can reduce that stress, you're going to help the brain work better. But to complement that, a good night's rest is actually one of the best things that you can do for your brain's health. People that are deeper sleepers can have up to 10 times better memory of people that are sleep deprived. So, you want to make sure that you're, you're able to get you know, seven to eight hours of sleep every night uh, in, in good, deep sleep. Um, that, that's a very fundamental thing. So stress, you, you obviously want to put good stress in your life as much as possible. Have fun. Spend time with friends and family. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing for your health. And if you're under chronic stress, do whatever you can to remove yourself from the circumstances.
0: Another thing that you're a big proponent of, I think, and again, reading your literature, is water, that we just don't drink enough water and we should.
1: Uh, it's true. You know, people that have maybe a, a 10% reduction in the amount of water they drink on a daily basis can have a 25 to 30% reduction in cognitive performance because of that. So staying well hydrated is, is certainly key. And and it really does tie in with the advice I gave on sugar, uh, Trust me, a, a glass of water is better than a, a can of soda, period. Uh, it's, it's better for your midsection. It's better for your uh, your brain. So that's a, that's a great place where you can cut out some of those calories and hydrate the brain. Because wh- whenever you're adding sugar to the brain, you're actually partially dehydrating it. And even worse than sugar is, is, is actually alcohol. Alcohol dehydrates brain cells, which causes them to, well, basically for a short period of time to turn off. In some cases, it will certainly kill cells. And as anyone who knows who's had too much to drink, that can result in memory loss. So if you want to avoid memory loss uh, in the long term, you want to reduce the amount of alcohol that you're putting in your body.
0: So simple steps such as drinking water, avoiding alcohol, and you're not saying 100%, but just trying to use common sense and, and not get into these situations and do as well as you can would really be helpful.
1: If you really want to have a better memory and and strive for that, uh, you go home and you jot these things down and you start uh, using them and practice them in your life, Uh, it will help your health tremendously. And you mentioned several different aspects of brain health. You know, a lot of times we just talk about memory, but the brain is in charge of our our focus, our attentiveness. Uh, It's involved with how we communicate with others, basically our personality is derived from the functionality of our brain if you know if you're if you're tired if you're lethargic you're going to appear sort of dopey to other people that you run into but if your brain is healthy you're going to be seen as someone that's uh, spirited
0: someone that's fun to be around well, Mark Underwood, I want to thank you for joining us and providing your insights on primary care today. It my pleasure. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you so much for listening.